Kevin Lings is the chief economist at Stanlip. Kevin, you spend your life, it seems, looking at interesting data. But the data that came out today on South Africa's unemployment level must have shocked even you. Hi, Alec. I think they are absolutely shocking, especially given that uh, go ahead of this data, our unemployment rate was already exceptionally high. And obviously, we were under pressure in terms of labor market. And now we've lost, I just can't believe this, we've lost another 660,000 jobs in one quarter. That's simply in three months, most of those jobs in the formal sector. And, and yes, you can blame the looting and unrest in July, but it, it's not enough to explain a loss of 660,000. That's telling me that businesses are broadly under pressure. They're trying to cut costs out of the business and they've got no choice. Where do they take costs from? They're cutting back on terms of employment. And there are very few entities in South Africa that are expanding or adding jobs. So we lost 660,000 jobs. That obviously pushes the unemployment rate up. Now, the unemployment rate at uh, around 34, 35%, I think that in itself is not really telling you what's happening because there's a huge number of people that are what we call discouraged. In other words, they lose their job and they simply stop looking for work. They're that discouraged. But once you stop looking for work, by the definition, you're no longer unemployed. So we know how many people that is. We can add that back. And when you add that back, South Africa's total unemployment rate jumps to 46%. Then if you look at certain categories, particularly young people in the youth category, the unemployment rate is 77%. It's hard to get your mind around just how bad that is. And then if you look at the category, I think, which is even more damaging, actually, is the category one age group above that. So now you're looking at people that go up to the age of 35, and there the unemployment rate is over 55%. So think about people that are in their 30s, a huge number of them don't have employment, possibly have never worked in the formal sector in their life, have lost their job with very little prospect of getting a job. How do those people think about building careers, starting families, owning houses, all of those things that go with employment? It, it's got to be very damaging in the system. And then if you break down the data according to provinces, Pretty much most of the provinces under pressure. There are a couple of exceptions like Western Cape, but on the whole, the numbers look dreadful. I can't really find any redeeming features. And I guess for me, the most damaging number overall is that if I look at where we were in employment before COVID, right, obviously the economy declined and now we're trying to recover. But our total employment is down 2.1 million relative to where we were just before COVID. And you can't brag about our employment before COVID. I would have described that as shockingly weak, and we've lost 2.1 million jobs in total. So now, you think about government's programs of we've got to employ people, we're going to expand, we're going to invest. We've got to make up 2.1 million jobs before we back at where we were before COVID. Just, it just feels, it feels a big mountain to climb. It is incredible. And if you take the numbers as a whole – how many people are in South Africa? And of those people, roughly how many are employable? In other words, in that category that you would call uh, looking for job, discouraged, undiscouraged, and, and people who are lucky enough to have a job. So if you look at the age group 15 to 64, so that becomes the people who 
could well be employed. In South Africa, below 15, you shouldn't be employing anybody. Over 64, we generally, obviously, people over 64 are working, thank goodness. But um, it, it, it's not counted as part of the total employable base. We assume that people at that age are retired. But that, that's 40 million people. So, so you could argue that we want to get close to that number. If you look at the number of people formally employed in this country, it's now dropped below 10 million. 10 million have a formal job. And the thing we keep stressing is that that's, that's an incredibly narrow consumer base. That's a narrow tax base. That's geez, It's hard to become an economic success story when you've only got 10 million people in a country our size that are actually in uh, formal employment. So that tells you social grants are going to have to continue and are going to continue to increase. It tells you the pressure on government to provide more social spending. That's going to remain high. The pressure on families and communities to provide for extended families, et cetera, that's going to remain high. The risk of looting and unrest, that's going to remain high. Until until we start to make a dent in the unemployment rate, all of these problems are going to remain relevant. You also can't realistically talk about easing the the income divide or the or the uh, wealth divide, the so-called Gini coefficient or the level of inequality, till you're creating jobs. The best way to deal with inequality is create employment. So accentuated in terms of our problems. And and the, the sad thing is government knows what they need to do. Government has spoken about what needs to happen in terms of investment and deregulating business sector and getting fixed investment. But the ability to implement these changes is just not uh, effective enough. So the execution is poor, but apart from all of that, the policies also seem rather strange. If you have got 10 million out of 40 million potential employees, only 10 million have got formal jobs. The other 30 million have somehow got to be making a living, and perhaps of those 30 million, a big percentage of them would love to get any job, not minimum wage jobs, just some job, just get into the workforce. Isn't that when you see the the, the policies, for instance, minimum wage, if you're a company and you have to pay a, a minimum amount of uh, uh, of uh, salary to somebody, you might employ two, and it's very difficult to get rid of them if they don't work out. You might think twice before doing so. Absolutely. So, yeah, so there's no doubt that the labor legislation in South Africa, the way it's draft, way it's um, written, and the way it's if made effective, does ultimately limit uh, a lot of things. It limits investment into sectors. It limits employment in particular sectors. I think it also especially limits startup businesses because we have industry-wide agreements, not just around minimum wages, but around other conditions. And so if you're a startup business wanting to enter an industry, you are obliged to comply with the industry-wide agreements. And those agreements might be fine for a big, well-established business, but they're difficult for you as a startup to deal with. So we in no way really encouraging small, medium businesses. And, and the truth is that big business 
is not about to rapidly expand employment. A lot of businesses try constantly to do to do more output with less people. It's about trying to be more efficient. We know from many countries that the way, the route to increased employment is startup business, medium business, small business that becomes medium business. So you've got to have a very active program to encourage new business to be formed or smaller businesses to expand. And one of the key things that helps those businesses is deregulation, whether that's labor market deregulation, whether it's got to do with how you uh, get licenses, whether it's got to do with the procurement of uh, water, whatever it is, um, those regulations are very onerous. So I would say that The policy needs to be looked at. The way in which we implement policy needs to be made way more effective. And quite frankly, government's got to find a way to get out of the way. Government is involved in way too much of this economy for it to be productive. And if they can find a way to step back and allow business to do what business does everywhere in the world, and it will create jobs. So we know what the answer is. We just can't implement. What about those who say that there is – a very large informal sector. In other words, the 30 million potential formal employees do do something. Isn't that sure. uh, maybe an ameliorating factor? So we, we surveyed, you know, this survey that we're talking about surveys every aspect of employment. It is sur- specifically surveys informal sector, but it surveys the agricultural sector or, or what you might call the subsistence agricultural sector. It surveys what we call private households, which would be domestic workers, etc. So all of those numbers are included. And in terms of the informal sector, there are 2.7 million people employed in informal activity. Now, 2.7, add some people that are working in private households, that's just over another 1 million people in subsistence agriculture, just less than another 1 million. That brings you nowhere near to the numbers that um, you need to make a real impact in terms of employment. And the hurdle rate to be regarded as employment is literally you've got to work a couple of hours a week. It's not as if we are, we've got this onerous requirement that you have to be employed every single day to be counted as employment. That's not true. You work one day a week, you count it as employed. So so people who are getting jobs piecemeal or getting jobs from, from one day and then next week they have another job, those people are included and are included as being employed, yet we still have this huge unemployment rate. 